0: Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM and uh, super excited about the show today. How are you going today, Beck?
1: I am towards the end of a tunnel. <laughs> All
0: right. I, where I come from, in the, in the great land of California, um, when people say things like that, that, that's like a positive way of saying... It's been a little tough of late.
1: <laughs> that, is, that is the truth. But mostly because I have... It's the pointy end of assignments. So I've had a... And still have a few assignments due this week. And then next week, I should be Paper done with assignments. Paper cuts are a killer. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, pointy end. Anyway. Uh, so you're almost done with assignments. For yes. those of you that don't know... Beck is finishing a theology degree. Now, what's a theology degree?
1: Uh, It's a degree where we're studying about God and the Bible and understanding God and then how to share Him with other people.
0: Awesome. And so, are you planning to be working in ministry?
1: Yes, I hope so. If I get a job. That's very exciting. (laughs) Hashtag coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you who also might not know, Robbie is studying the same degree.
0: On a very, very different path. <laughs> Very slow. That's Very okay, slow part-time because, path.
1: Because he's um, working at the moment as well. Yeah.
0: So it's coming to the end of the semester. Yes. I'm super excited. And I know that some of you out there are students and are probably coming to your year 12 exams. Some of you are uni students and are coming to your exams at the end of the semester. And yes. we just want to say... We understand, Mm -hmm. and we care, and uh, we're going to actually have a special prayer for you today when we do our prayer for our Bible study. Yeah. So I'm super excited about the show today. We are going to be looking at part two of our David series. Yes. And uh, man, how good was last week? The call of David, God looking at the heart. Yes, so good. God's getting into the nitty gritty of what it means to be a person. He's looking at the character, not just the outside qualities and features that we would often make our judgment calls based upon, but God looks at the things that are inside as well. And so we were super excited to look a little bit more as we look at David today. We also are going to be hearing from our good friend Sven, who's actually uh He works as a, a minister of the gospel and he 's he 's involved in what 's called church planting and for those of you that don 't don 't know that 's what i 'm doing and a church plant if you haven 't heard that term before is basically when you when you start to develop a new church in an area it 's kind of like planting a seed yeah so it 's a church plant it 's it 's beginning a church mm-hmm. and um so he 's Actually, my mentor and my boss, so he's the head of church planting for our area, and uh, we're going to look forward to hearing from him. Absolutely. But before we get into all of the rest of that, tell us one great blessing from your life right now, Beck.
1: One great blessing from my life uh, would be the people in my life, my friends and friendships that I have.
0: yeah being
1: able to hang with people and spend time with people um just god leads people into your life you can be friends and mentors and i love my people
0: that's so good we all need people it doesn't matter how introverted or extroverted you are everybody needs fellowship and community so we hope that you enjoy engaging with us in a little bit of radio community this is randy travis the carpenter He was just a carpenter
2: by trade He learned from his father At a very early age
3: There was something
4: special in the man There was much more to his life Than just working with his hands and his say
2: There's no home I could design That would match the one you'd find When you leave this world behind if you'll only take the time so love your neighbor like your brother Treat your brother like a friend Always turn the other cheek Help the weary and the weak Make the time for young and old And as your life unfolds Each kindness that you've shown We'll be the nails and hammers As you build your final ladder In the manner of the carpenter You could feel compassion in his eyes but only those that heard him
4: did not realize
3: That he was speaking to us all Righteous and the mighty, silent and small, he'd say
2: There's no home I could design that would match the one you'll find When you leave this world behind, if you'll only take the time Love your neighbor like your brother Treat your brother like a friend Always turn the other chin Help the weary and the weak Make the time for young and old And as your life unfolds Each kindness that you've shown will be the nails and hammers As you build your final ladder In the manner of the carpenter of old Just a carpenter by trade He learned from his father At a very early age
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And we're about to get into our weird and wonderful world segment. But just before we do, I just want to do a shameless plug for question of the week. Because I want you guys to have these questions percolating in your mind.
1: Yes, percolate.
0: That's right. Let this just percolate. And we just want you to know that you can call in with any questions that you have about the Bible or about God or spiritual matters. And we would love to discuss those with you during our question of the week segment at the end of the show. And you can do that by calling in at one 800 two four eight four three that's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or you can text in at 0491-064-669, that's 491 64 or even on our Facebook page. So what do you have for us today for our weird and wonderful facts?
1: Yes, I have something that has a very slight to do with our story today. I couldn't oh, think this of is word. exciting.
0: oh, because I know what the story's about today. I don't think we said that before, but we're talking about David and Goliath. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes. Goliath was a giant. That's why I'm excited. Yes.
1: Oh, dis- I didn't pick giants. I should have picked oh, giants. Oh, okay. No, I picked that's something okay. else that's very, very small in the story, but I picked- Cheese? Yes. Cheese. No. There's well,
0: cheese in the story. There
1: is cheese. Oh, there's so many things that could have Gluten. Picked. I picked- Lions, lions! Oh, very good.
0: You have such an animal thing.
1: Also, I was trying to think <laughs> of something quick that there were a lot of facts for, and it wouldn't take a lot of time to research. Oh, tell us,
0: tell us some more things about lions. I'm excited.
1: <laughs> so, okay, Robbie, you guess. Are they the biggest cat on earth?
0: Mm, yes.
1: They're the second biggest cat on earth. What's the
0: biggest cat on earth? Tigers. Tigers, tigers. are bigger.
1: Yeah, tigers are bigger. Oh
0: man, go India.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so go lions. Shere Khan. Lions also are the only cats that live in groups. Really? Yeah. So I did not of, know
0: that, but that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, they're the most social of all the li- all, all the animals. Definitely all more social cats.
0: than domesticated cats. Let's Absolutely. be honest. They might even be nicer.
1: So they live in groups called prides, which you probably knew.
0: They're probably proud because they're the only cats that have <laughs> friends.
1: That's probably <brilliant. laughs> We're super proud, guys. <laughs> and the numbers in their prides can range from 15 to 40 members. So 40 is quite a big pride.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to be proud of there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Tell us more, tell us more. I'm trying. So in general, the more members a Pride has, the stronger it is relative to rival Prides. Obviously, there's more more of you. That makes sense. So the Prides females also prefer to have more males. They try and keep a few more males to try and ensure the survival of their cubs because the males are a little bit stronger. Um, They fight off other male lions who are coming so the females try and make sure that there's more males in the prize as well female lions are also the main hunters yeah yeah and so 85 to 90 so are they patriarchal
0: or matriarchal because well or is it pretty evenly mixed because the the females are doing basically the bulk of the work it
1: actually seems uneven in all aspects because anywhere from 85 to 90 percent of the hunting is done by females and 80 to 90 percent they also do all the parenting. Like the males are really not involved at all. This so, is a
0: bad picture. I don't know if they have a lot to be proud about the, as, a, as a.
1: The only thing that the males really do is they protect. Um, they protect the pride and the pride's territory. Huh. So this was cool. I didn't know how how large a stretch of territory they had. See it why they want be more up, males. Up yes. to 160 kilometers of territory, wow. which is what they're protecting.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah. Um, and also, even though the females do the vast majority of the hunting, male lions usually get to eat first. Ah. <laughs> Stitch up.
0: Anyway, wow. I don't know how much equality there is there's, there is going on in the lion kingdom. but uh, it's it's, Not a it, lot. It, I don't know. I think the Lion King has a lot to answer for.
1: This is something that I thought was really cool. When a female lion gets pregnant, it only takes four months before she gives birth to her cubs.
0: So four-month gestation.
1: 16 weeks, and there's a little baby cub.
0: Wow. How many? Do you know how many lions, lion cubs they have?
1: Usually two to three. Two to three in two a litter. Two to three in a ah. litter. And sometimes they all have babies around the same time. So they're really? like cousins, they can grow up together.
0: Oh, that's sweet. Yeah.
1: So here are some specs on lions. Ooh, tell us. They can weigh 120 to 250 kilos. And the, their vision is roughly. six... And that's all
0: muscle, by the way. There's there's no such thing as an overweight lion in the wild.
1: Yes, <laughs> the vision of a lion is also roughly six times more sensitive to light than humans, wow. which makes it really easy for them at hunting at night. Are they
0: nocturnal? Because they seem to hunt at night.
1: Yes, when they hunt at night. Yeah, I don't know enough about that to answer. Well,
0: I suppose cats are nocturnal. Generally, domesticated yeah. cats are as well. They kind of. Have you ever noticed that cats tend to have a frequency? to To be lazy during the day and then to keep you up at night. Yeah, and like pounce on your head. How many of you out there? You should text in about this as well. Tell us your cat stories. (laughs) Your your cat jumping on your head. If you If you send us a good cat story, I'll share it on air.
1: Absolutely. So
0: do it. Also,
1: something. Although they have all these specs and ability to hunt, they aren't really that great at hunting. They have a less than thirty (laughs) percent success rate.
0: Well, well, how's that comparatively to like compare to other predatory animals though?
1: Well, no, less, definitely less. So they have to work harder and more. So yeah, they're not very...
0: It might have something to do with the fact that there's 40 of them out there, minus the males, so maybe 35, uh, out there making a lot of noise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So just to wrap this up there, I have more facts, but I think we're going to run out of time. So something I wanted to share, well, maybe Robbie, you can share for us. C.S. Lewis talks about um, Aslan as a lion representing God. And what does he say when they say, is this lion safe?
0: Oh, they say, safe, of course he isn't safe, but he's good.
1: Yeah, and I thought, that just reminded me, looking at lions and thinking, all the abilities that they have, man, it reminds us of God, the fact that he's our protector, he's our great lion, he can look after us and keep us safe.
0: This is Noemi Moore, Blessings. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM and just before we get into our testify segment, I just want to do another shameless plug for question of the week. Send in your questions, your Bible questions, your questions about God, etc. You can do that by calling in 1-800-324 843, that's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or text us at 491 64 So today for our Testify segment, we've got our good friend Sven Ostring in the studio. How are you going, Sven? I'm going really, really well, Robbie. Thanks for having me um, on the program, yeah. on oh, the show. super excited, <laughs> super excited to have you. Before we get into a bit of your story, I just wanted to ask, uh, what is it that you... Do with yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the, the, the short version.
5: Okay. Well, well. first of all, I'm I'm a, a husband and a father. You. So I've got a family. Yeah. It's oh, exciting. Is really cool. It's a real and, blessing. And um, my, my son's birthday is on Saturday. So he was born on 31st of October, which is uh, Reformation Day. In terms of the day uh, that Martin Luther banged his 95 thesis, 95 complaints, yeah. onto the uh, cathedral's door at Wittenberg. Um, and so that's the day that we remember, 495 years before my son was born, which I think is really, really cool. Wow, you so awesome.
1: you're a fan of history.
5: I, I, I am. Yes, Excellent. I am indeed. Awesome. So, So what I do, so father and husband, but also I'm involved in supporting new church groups start up uh, in the North um, New South Wales area. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. And
0: I did mention that for those who were listening earlier, that Sven's actually my mentor and kind of like my boss. So sweet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So so it's nice to be on the show with you, Robin. It's awesome. (laughs) All right. So tell us a bit about your story, my friend. Tell us how is it that you have come to be where you are with
5: Jesus? Okay. So, so going back all the way to, to the beginning, shall I say for myself, I, I was born into a family where my, my parents um, were, they are Christians. They're, they're Seventh-day Adventist Christians. and, uh, so I guess in terms of reading the Bible faith all of those kind of things it was just very very kind of natural uh, you just it, you get it almost by osmosis in many ways I, I got my first Bible when I was seven years old okay and um, it was the the today's English version the good news Bible And um, I just, I just loved it. I loved the the first chapter, um, Genesis chapter one. I've I've never lost my love for Genesis and creation, and so it was really cool. But I guess here's here's the challenge. Here's the challenge when when you grow up in a family where where your parents are Christian, um, is this that I would go to youth uh, rallies. Um, or or youth meetings where a lot of young people come, and, and they would get up these amazing speakers, um, you know, often uh, black American or Latino or you know or Maori or, or whatever, and and they would have this fantastic story. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was about you know how they how they went to they lived in LA or you know they got involved with drugs or and they just hit rock bottom and then they just started to come up and and honestly I I just thought you know I've just got such a boring Christian upbringing you know I've got I've got no testimony to share
1: and that and, can that can be really challenging I understand growing up um, mm. having a church as. Is- church as your background, then you sort of feel like, oh, should I share this? Is it compelling? Will it make any difference to
5: people? Yes. Yeah. So, so it's kind of, you, you kind of feel like kind of vanilla kind of Christian almost, you know, rather than than a, you know, Rocky Road or, or <laughs> you know, cookies and cream or, or you know, lime or, or whatever kind of uh, version of, of Christian. But this is the amazing thing. I, I found that God actually did give me a testimony that that really spoke to my heart. And um, so it was, I'd finished my research at um, the University of um, Canterbury in New Zealand, and I got a job in England. And, and I remember my, my friend, uh, he, he said to me, look, I'm, I'm really worried about you because I think you're going to lose your faith. Going to England because it's such a secular country and so so atheistic, and, and so I was kind of taken back because I thought this is really cool overseas experience. You know, go to amazing university, and um, it'll be really really cool. So anyway, so I went over there. And um, I was just really enjoying it. I thought it was so cool, you know. I, I'd go down to London to Greenwich to see where the, you know, the the Greenwich Mean Time is, the actual bar. And, and I'd go to to musicals in Leicester Square. Uh, I'd watch um, summer Shakespeare. Um, you know, all of these kind of kind of really nerdy kind of things, but really cool as well. You know, what I mean. <laughs> I think it's all right. I really, think that's cool stuff.
1: A really cultural experience. It, yeah, yes, that's awesome.
5: And. And so then then here's the crunch. I moved into this house where the the landlady, and she also lived there as well, my housemate, she was an atheist and an evolutionist. And and on the day that I moved in, uh, she found out I was a Christian and she was shocked. And so she said to me, uh, when a Christian program came on TV, she said, she switched off the TV and said, we're going to have none of this in this house, first day I moved in. And, and I was really taken back. I was really, really kind of shocked. I thought, you know, have I come into like a, a den of lions? You know, you know am I going to be, you know, eaten up here? And uh, so, so then that started that journey. And, and I, it was really interesting because I'd come downstairs on different mornings and she would ask me, she would say to me, uh, Sven, do you be, believe in Adam and Eve? Mm. I go, yeah, I believe in Adam and Eve. Yeah. And then she'd come and she'd say, uh, Sven, do you believe in uh, Noah and the Ark? Mm. So i go, yeah, sure, I believe in Noah and the Ark. And then then she said to me one day, she said to me, Sven, do you believe in Balaam and the talking donkey? And I said to her, I said to her, well, I think God beat... We're, we're going to have to pause right there. Right there, the, the punchline. <laughs> <light. laughs>
0: this is Gavin Chatelier. Just a Closer Walk With Thee. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM, and we were just before the break on the verge of finding out what in the world this this lovely lady that you were living with who was very antagonistic towards your Christian faith was a was saying to you about something about Balaam and God speaking to him through a donkey. And do you believe that? And you were just about to tell us, and then we had to go to the news.
5: So what I said to her is, yes, well, God beat DreamWorks to an annoying talking donkey. And and she she looked really annoyed at that. She, she looked really kind of... That was pretty cheeky. That, that was pretty <laughs> cheeky. You shouldn't have said that. But I thought... Well, That's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, one time I came home on a Saturday afternoon and um, there she was with a a lawyer friend of hers and they were eating pizza and they said to me, hey, Sven, how would you like to join us and have pizza? I was a bachelor, uh, young, you know, post uh, doctoral student. uh, You were broke in other words and hungry. I was (laughs) broke. I mean, two two ladies asking me if I would eat pizza. I mean, what am I going to say? So so I joined them And then And then 20 minutes Into the conversation Where we're talking about Football and the weather And and university politics um, The lawyer um, Says to me She looks me straight in the eye She says Where is the evidence That God exists Wow And I'm going like what do I say now? I had the annoying talking donkey down pat, but, <laughs> but not the answer for this one. And so I started on a journey mm. and I started on a journey to explore what was the reasons for my faith. And I thought, I want to f- find out. I want to know. So, so I'm never in that position where you know, mm. a person c- would say to me, your, your faith doesn't have any substance, mm. any grounding. And I went on this journey and I found out, you know, that that God is the cause of the origin of the universe. He's the cause of the fine tuning of the universe. Mm-hmm. He's, um, you know, all of the the DNA, our bodies. He's the intelligent designer behind it. He, he's a foundation for moral, objective moral values. And then you go to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I was just blown away. And And for me, it literally changed my life. Um, honestly, you know, I was heading down this academic career. I wanted to, you know, head to whether it was MIT or Stanford or, you know, um, uh, Rice University in, in Texas and, and literally changed my life around. I thought, I've got to share this. I want to share this with, with young people who don't know whether God exists, um, that, that He exists and He, he loves us. And, and for me, that, that is my testimony. It's, um, and it, it literally changed my life, Robbie. It, it really, really did. That's, That's
0: awesome. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Sorry, Jinx. Um, is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners, any word of encouragement to anyone out there who's got these kinds of questions or has perhaps grown up in, in a church context and maybe feels that they don't have a story?
5: What I would, I would say is this, is that I guess I'd compare my, my friend's response, which was a genuine concern. He said to me, I'm worried about you, Sven. I think you're going to lose your faith going to England. And, and that could be, you know, to anywhere in the world. It could be going to New Zealand. It could be going to, you know, to a communist country, you know, China, whatever. Um, and the reality of actually, um, spending time with people who do not believe in Christianity, um, that, that relationship, that process f- um, led me, shall I say forced me to explore my beliefs and, and to, sh- to learn how to share my faith, shall I say. Mm. That, that is an amazing thing. And I would encourage you, get out of the salt shaker, as they say, get out of the Christian bubble and go and meet some some real people atheists muslim skeptics um and your faith will just grow and 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 share and you'll see how real God becomes to you that that's my experience
0: that's awesome and are there any resources or places that you would point people to to learn more about what we, well, what you're talking about which we would we would term apologetics information.
5: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's some amazing apologetic um, information. There's um, John Lennox at Oxford University, amazing apologist. There's William Lane Craig, uh, really, really good. I would point you to um, creation.com as well well to learn about how God created this world in in six literal days. Um, Fascinating uh, as well. But also, I'd encourage you just simply pick up your Bible and start to read it.
0: So good. So good. So thank you so much, Sven. We no pray worries. that God will bless you, man. And uh, for all of you that, that are out there listening, I just want to really encourage you do, do as, as Sven has done and has said to do. Do some research for yourself. Check out creation.com. Find the evidence for the truths of the Bible, and it will ground your faith. Awesome. So we're going to take a quick break here before we come back. And uh, thank you so much, Sven. God bless you.
1: You're listening to Faith FM. Positively Different Radio
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck You're listening to Faith FM And I'm going to get you Beck To do a shameless plug for Question of the Week How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah. Pretty good? Not not really either way, but I do like people to call in. That is good. That
0: is good. So why would they call in?
1: Why would they call in? Because we hopefully have some information that we can share with you. People who have questions, we have ability to find resources or just share the knowledge that we have already. So we'd like you to do that by calling in on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or text us on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669 nine, or you can hit us up on Facebook, Faith FM Australia.
0: Awesome. So we are going to get into, I say this a lot, but this is my favorite part of the whole show. There's a lot of parts that I like. I kind of like the whole show. Pretty sure you say um, this
1: every week. But I
0: love the Bible study portion because for me, this is just so crucial to my own walk with God, to my own life, hearing the word of God and not only hearing it, but, but prayerfully, my goal is to put it into application in my life. And so we're going to have a prayer and we're going to invite God into this space and just to lead us as we read the Bible. And I want to encourage any of you that are out there, um, especially if you're new to reading the Bible, to not only just read it as an academic would, would read Shakespeare, but to, to ask God to, to speak to you and into your life because God will do that. It's, a, it's, it's not just a normal book. So we're gonna have a prayer. Father God, I just wanna pray that you'd fill us with your spirit as we work. Through scripture together, we ask that you would lead us in the truth, that we would be led to understand Jesus better and ourselves better and the world around us better, and that you would show us how we can apply these things in our life. And I also want to pray for all of the students who are going through end-of-year exams and getting ready for HSC and other end-of-year tests and uni students and et cetera. We just pray for peace and for guidance and that they would do their best and succeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to open up the Bible to... The Old Testament to First Samuel chapter seventeen. Yep, you were there. You, you're looking at me funny back in the studio. First Samuel chapter seventeen. Am I in the right chapter? I am there. Okay, I just, you looked at me like I was wrong. All right, we're gonna read from First Samuel chapter seventeen, and this follows just directly on from our last our last show where we looked at the story of David being anointed. For the kingship. Yeah. So he's been anointed as king, but he is not yet in the position of king. But he has been chosen by God and selected and acknowledged in that space. And it says that the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul... But the Spirit of the Lord had come upon David. Yeah. And so we're now continuing in the story and we're going to see what happens next.
1: I feel like it would have been something really interesting for David because he gets called out of the sheep field looking after the sheep and, and is anointed, and then he gets sort of sent back to the sheep field. And so, yeah, it would be a very strange thing. He's now anointed as king, but just acting as a shepherd still.
0: Oh, and there's so many lessons in that as well before we even get into the next text. If you think about this, there are times where God has called you to a bigger task, but it's not yet your time to do that task. Yeah, wow. And what is David supposed to do? Is he supposed to go in and take that task by force?
1: No, he's supposed to go and be faithful with the task that he has at hand until the time comes.
0: That's right. Do faithfully that which God has entrusted to you now until he leads you into the next calling. Boom. Oh, man, that's a good lesson. All right, so let's start reading from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1.
1: Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Socoh, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Socoh and Azekah in Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Oh, Hold on, hold on, let's
0: pause there. Sorry, I I didn't interrupt early enough. Okay, so there were a lot of names. There was a lot of, and and you did a great job of pronouncing them, by the way. And if anyone's ever worried about that, nobody really knows how to pronounce most of these words anymore anyway. So don't stress, just say them with confidence, like Beck just did. Um, So they've got these two armies. These two armies have gathered for battle, and where have they gathered? Don't worry about names, but just geographical features.
1: Oh, they've gathered on two mountains and there's a valley in between them. Okay,
0: this is key. This is significant just to get our heads around what's going on. If you've got two armies and they're both on high ground, whoever comes down into the valley, if the other army stays up high, guess what? They're in the high position. And for those of you that that may not be as familiar with this, high ground is a great advantage in a battle because you can shoot arrows further, you are in a position where you you have gravity behind you, you don't have to fight uphill and be at risk of falling over backwards. You, When somebody's defending themselves and they're below you, they're exposing significantly larger portions of their body. So in terms of a battle space, the high ground is where you want to be. And so here's these two armies sitting on the high ground, not venturing into the valley yet where battle may take place. And this is really interesting. All right, so this is the picture. They're here, they're gathered for war. There's a valley in between them. And what's going to happen next? Now I can keep reading.
1: And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and the shield bearer went before him.
0: All right, let's pause there because there was a lot of weird stuff happening there with some weird words, right? Okay, what's being described here?
1: Yeah, Goliath is being described basically as this giant, this giant man. And they're describing the weight and the strength of the things that he used and how big they were. And so they said that his spear was like um, a weaver's beam. And so like you imagine this massive loom in which this person's weaving a carpet or something. And that's what his spear was like. It was so big and heavy because he was so strong. That's the weight of the thing that he threw.
0: Totally. Now now think about this. Now I don't know if you did this as, you know... Maybe little boys and little girls tend to play on a bell curve a little bit differently as kids. But when I was a kid, we would often do things like get the broomstick, and that would be a spear, and we would go and pretend that we were having great battles, right? Now, a broomstick's pretty thin and light and, and handy. Can you imagine trying to take a beam from this thing and trying to be able to move that and to move, like, you ever been hit by a stick? It doesn't feel good. You could swing a stick with a lot of force. Imagine getting hit with this giant beam of this solid timber. Yeah. So this dude's a big dude. Now, how big is he is the question.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to give us the versions that are not met, like in the metrics that we can understand. Oh, I, can, I can do it. Yeah? I
0: can do it. You don't, you, you've, you've lost faith in my uh, imperial versus metric. <laughs> All right. Let's see how we go. The first one I'm going to do is in feet. But I think everybody does their height in feet still anyway, generally. Well, you can you can give us the 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 the, the metric version anyway. So, old mate, Goliath is called a giant because, according to this text, it says he's six cubits and a span. An imperial measurement for that is nine foot six inches approximately. Wow. Yeah. Nine. I'm six foot one. I'm a relatively tall individual. I, I'm not I'm not super tall, but I'm 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 above average, right? And this is a full over a full meter higher than me. Like that's that's tall. Three meters. Hmm? three meters. No, it's not. It's not three meters. It was under. It was two point seven. I looked it up earlier. Sorry, Liam. We're gonna we're gonna debate this off air. No. So he's over nine foot tall, right? Like this is huge. He's a big dude.
1: This is huge. He is a big huge dude.
0: Yeah, he's almost three meters tall. <laughs> All right, so. What about the 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 weight of the mail that he's wearing, so he's got chain mail on
1: yeah, so what is what is chain mail, Robbie?
0: Oh, great question. So chain mail is little links of chain that are interlocked to create clothing made of metal links, so that way when you get hit, you've got metal armor over you to protect you from damage, yeah um, it, you, you know you're still going to bruise, you're still going to get broken limbs and things if from impact, but it's it's trying to prevent s- sharp objects from getting through, yeah. So he's got this chain mail on, and it weighs over 41 kilos. Wow. Just imagine that. I weigh 69 kilos. <laughs> That's more than half my body weight, and he's carrying this on him. He's a big, strong man. What about his spearhead? So he's carrying a spear, and it says, I can't remember what it was, 600 shekels. Yeah. This is 6.8 kilos. Now, this is not the whole spear. This is just the metal tip on the end is 6.8 kilos. The beam itself would have been also heavy. So this is a huge dude. The average Israelite at the time was approximately 5 foot 6 inches, right? So they're not a tall people. Imagine coming up to a dude who is 4 feet taller than you. This guy would be intimidating.
1: Yeah, definitely intimidating. Can you imagine that?
0: Very intimidating. All right, so what's going to happen With the story. Let's keep reading. So here's a big dude. He's got big, heavy armor, big, strong weapons. He's an an intimidating-looking dude.
1: So we're picking it up in verse 8. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you, the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid.
0: All right, so what's happening here?
1: Basically, he's challenging them. It's a massive challenge. Um, and he says, if, if you can get a man to fight me and if he wins, then we'll be your slaves. But if I win, vice versa, and you're going to be our slaves. And he's bigger than all of them.
0: Significantly bigger, by the way, right? Because if the average person's five foot six and he's nine foot six, that's, that's not far off of double. <laughs> like he's a big dude. Now, here's a question. Why in the world would anyone come to a battle with a whole army and be like, yeah, we're going to stake our our bet here on uh, one guy fighting one of your guys?
1: Yeah, I don't know why you would say yes, but I think it's may- maybe the attrition rate. They're trying to like cut down the loss.
0: I think that's a big part of it, for sure. So historically, this is something that would actually take place w- with some with some kind of regularity in this culture at this time period, and that's one of the major reasons. So if you have one person fight the other... And then one person dies and you're just going to be like, well, okay, we don't have to lose all of our people and have a huge war because we're not that, that large of a people group. This actually makes a lot of sense in terms of solving this, this political difficulty without having to lose as many people. So this is one yeah. of the things that they would do. This was a relatively normal thing. Mm-hmm. But notice the response of the people. What's the response of King Saul?
1: Yeah, it says that when Saul and Israel heard it, they were dismayed and greatly afraid.
0: Okay, I want you to think about this for a moment. Who was the tallest person in Israel? Saul. King Saul, right? He was a head and shoulders above everybody else. According to the culture of the day, a king should be willing to lead from the front in battle. He should be a great leader in battle, and he should be at the the front end, the fighting end. And so Saul really is the most adequate candidate to go and fight this champion of the Philistine army. But notice that it says, he, along with all of the rest of Israel, is terribly afraid. And that's where we're going to take a break. This is Manuel Escorcio. Draw me close to you.
6: close to you Never let me go I laid it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire. No one else will do Cause nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find the way Bring me back to you Let me go I laid it all down again
3: Again.
6: To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire No one else will Nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way Bring me back to you
0: Welcome back to Real Faith. You are listening to Faith FM with Robbie and Beck. And uh, before we get into our Bible study, again, we uh, just wanted to make another plug for question of the week. Woo! And um, I've just been notified that we actually are able to have a giveaway again this week. And so for our first caller, caller for question of the week, you will receive a free book called If You Can Eat, You Can Make Disciples, talking about the importance of fellowship and how the early apostles utilized food and fellowship and connecting with people as a way to make disciples for Sounds Jesus. good. So our first caller for Question of the Week will receive a free copy of this book, Learning How to Share Your Faith in an Easy Format with Other People. And if you'd like to do that, you can call in at
1: one eight hundred three two four eight four three. That's one eight hundred Faith FM or text us on zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. That's zero four nine one zero six four double six nine.
0: Awesome. All right so the whole army of the Israelites is terrified. And if you think about this this is really this is really interesting. Like Saul is in a position where he is the, the, the lawful person who should be going forward. He's also the most adequately prepared person because he's the tallest person in the nation. He's big. He's strong. He's won battles. He's the representative. He's the leader. He should be going forward. But he's terrified. And there's a problem here. Followers can usually only rise. They, they, there tends to be a bit of a glass ceiling that followers tend to only arise as high as the standard of the leader Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: that's so true. We
0: we typically see this, and so the fact that the leader is afraid is not helping the people to gain confidence in his leadership or in their ability as a nation to be able to survive this circumstance.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So this is a bad deal for the Israelites, and Saul's not making it better by being in this position, because even if he's afraid, he should take courage and trust in God to protect and provide for them and seek God's wisdom and be willing to go and face his fears. But that's not what he seems to be willing to do but let's keep reading and find out what happens next continuing in verse 12.
1: now david was the son of that Ephrathite of bethlehem judah whose name was jesse and he had eight sons and the man was old advanced in years in the days of saul the three oldest sons of jesse had gone to follow saul to the battle the names of his three sons who went to the battle were eliab the firstborn next to him abinadab and the third shammah david was the youngest And the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening.
0: All right, let's pause there for a moment. So, just in brief, David's got seven brothers, but three of his brothers, the oldest, are all in the battle. They're all ready for battle, they're in the army, they're there. And David has gone back and forth between King Saul's palace, playing music for him, and taking care of the sheep. But then it says something very interesting. How long did this process of the Philistine champion named Goliath coming out and making a challenge to to, uh, to single combat with one representative from Israel happen?
1: Forty days.
0: Forty days. How many times a day?
1: Morning and evening.
0: Morning and e- So so twice a day, this dude comes out. And he's calling curses down upon your God and he's defacing the people and he comes out and he's terrifying them for how long? 40 days. 40 days. Does that number ring a bell at all?
1: Yeah, it reminds me of them being in the wilderness for 40 years.
0: Definitely. Now, does that sound like a difficult circumstance? Yeah. Totally. Any other 40s that we can remember in the Bible?
1: Jesus going out into the wilderness as well. Okay, being so led
0: being led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, Jesus goes out for 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water, yeah. right? What else can we think of? Any others that come to mind? I'm testing you now.
1: Can't think of any off the top. I know that when you say it, I'll be like, that's it.
0: No, that's all right. We all do this. I I thought about it before and wrote it down, so it's on my mind. Um, The flood.
1: Oh, yes. It
0: rains for 40 days and for 40 nights straight. Was the flood a time of difficulty and trial? Yes. What about Elijah fleeing 40 days journey away from Jezebel, who threatened to kill him, running to the mountain of God? Does that sound like a time of difficulty and trial?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: We see this happen all over scripture. Nineveh, they had 40 days to repent or there would be destruction of their city. Does that sound like a time of difficulty and trial? Mm-hmm. Totally. So what's going on here is is this happened literally for 40 days, but we see this theme in scripture that 40 days often is associated with difficulty, with trial, and with circumstances of great need. Yeah, wow. And so this is a fascinating connection. And for this time period, there's a threat that's coming out and not a single person has volunteered themselves in the fear of God to go and face this threat so that their people can be saved. Not a single person. What's going to happen? And this is where David enters the story. So let's keep reading.
1: Yeah. So it says, verse seventeen, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain, and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp. Carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul, and they, and all the men of Israel, were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel.
0: Awesome. Man, I love how, I love how real the Bible is. Like, Who in the world would give the details about how many loaves of bread and how many types of cheese you were bringing on a journey. And it's not putting it in there for no reason. It's putting it in there because it's a factual thing that took place. And it's amazing that you see this throughout scripture. There are details that seem perfunctory or, or, or unnecessary. And yet, they're in there and they show how true and real the story is. Oh yeah, I actually had to take this much stuff to feed my three brothers while they were in battle.
1: Yeah, it's really cool.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? All right, so he takes this stuff and he does the journey. He winds up arriving at the scene Where these two armies are opposing each other from opposite hills, but not yet entered into battle. And he comes in, and on this day, Goliath comes out and says the same thing that he's been saying the whole time, and he makes this challenge. And what's the response of Israel's army?
1: Yeah, they're basically still afraid. You know, they're they're still fearful. They don't have any response of like a person to go out. They don't have anybody that they're sending out. But what's really cool is, yeah, David hears it. And then he hears actually a side which we haven't heard before, which is to me, I imagine a young man or a young boy would be (laughs) like, oh, this is so cool. Because he says that if you win against this guy, you get... Great riches You don't have to pay taxes And you get to marry The king's daughter And Saul was good looking He was tall He was handsome I'm fairly sure his daughter Was also quite pretty And so I was like I feel like this is definitely Something that David's interested in
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's quite plausible (laughs) A young dude Hot-blooded male Sounds like a good offer He's probably got a lot of energy To burn off in a battle But... Just before we get to there, I, I'm just amazed. that it's It's not just that they didn't send somebody out, but it says they actually were afraid and fled. Like the people are literally running away from this guy. There's a valley in between them. Yeah. And he's coming out to a space where they can hear and they're terrified and they're running away. These are the soldiers. This is not looking good. Can you imagine what the feeling in the camp would be after 40 days of this? You'd be expecting that King Saul would come out because he's the most eligible person to take the request and he would come out and do this on behalf of your people and yet he's still silent. Like, what's this doing for Saul's leadership? Yeah. Not much, right? It's not good. And so when David rocks up and he hears this, can you imagine what would be going through your mind? Like, what's going on here, guys? Who's gonna man up and take one for the team and get out there and do this thing? How long you guys been standing here doing nothing? And he hears the offer. And as you said, it sounds like quite an appealing offer, especially to a young man. And so David responds. And let's keep reading with David's response.
1: Yeah. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have ye left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for ye have come down to seek the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did.
0: All right, so keep that in the back of your mind. Like, just, just picture this with me for a moment. Just, just let a Hollywood scene play before your mind right now about what's happening. Don't let this just sit flat on the page. Just let your, let your mind imagine the scene. David's hearing all of this stuff, and he's like, hang on a second. What did you say was going to happen to the dude who beats this guy? Did you say, say, say again. Say what? And they respond by saying, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's true. Whoever beats this guy is going to get what we just talked about. King's daughter is his wife. He's going to be made important.
1: Lots of riches. He's no He's going to be wealthy.
0: Ain't got Man, how many... Dude, sign me up if I don't have to pay taxes anymore. <laughs> that sounds like a good deal. Anybody else had to pay taxes recently? I tell you what. But what's going on here is this interaction. Now, his older brother, one of his older brothers, overhears this. Sees that he's here and he's like, Oh, man, this is not good. This little punk... Is coming in here and misrepresenting the family, and he's getting all up into this, and he just wants to, uh, he, he wants to be proud and blah, blah, blah. And, and he comes he seems, and he calls him out.
1: Yeah, and he seems really jealous, though. I can't help but think, man, David's rocked up. He's come here. And he's like, man, what are people doing? He's hearing about this. You can see the the clocks sort of ticking in his mind. And he's thinking, what am I going to do this? I'm going to start. You can see that he's already asking questions. Now, Iliab, his oldest brother, knows him. And so he looks and he's like, oh, I know what this kid's going to do. And he says, I know you and the pride and insolence of your heart. And you've just come here to see the battle. And the thing that I feel feels so bad and we'll probably talk about this later in the application portion of our study is that this is David just being faithful doing what he was supposed to do he was he brought food for his brothers he was sent there by his father and he's well, just doing point. that and then Eliab is calling him out for that and I'm like man even just for being faithful David has being called out
0: oh fully yeah I never even put those two points together but that's brilliant yeah he's just doing what he was told to do by his father he's being a respectful good son yeah and here here he's getting he's getting like beaten down on verbally for what's going on. Now, something that you said there that he says just strikes me as significant. He says, I know the insolence of your heart. Mm -hmm. Now, hang on a second. Just one chapter ago, it was God himself who spoke to Samuel who says, hey, none of these other sons are fit to be king, but this one is don't look at these others because of their outward attributes. He says, because you don't understand the character that's going on in their life. You don't know who they are inside because it's your character that defines you. In fact, all of our behaviors tend to come out of our character. And the behaviors that we practice also impact how our character changes. And so when we act out of, you know, right doing... It actually builds our character. When we do the right thing, even though the consequences are tough, when we tell the truth, even though it's going to have negative consequences for us, it builds our character. Yeah, so but exactly. it has to start from somewhere. And so here's David, and God says, I'm going to have a man who's after my own heart later on in scripture. Speaking of David, he says, I judge based on the heart. Yeah, I'm making a judgment about who's going to be the next king based on character, based on their heart, based on who they are as a person inside, and that's going to dictate how they behave outwardly. It doesn't mean David had a perfect character. doesn't mean that he didn't make a lot of mistakes on the journey, as we will definitely find out. But it's such a contrast. His brother says, there's something wrong with your heart. Why are you doing this? And yet God says, when I looked upon the heart of this young man, I saw someone fit to be my king of my people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also it just shows as well that his brothers and his family or people are still not taking him seriously. He was anointed by Samuel in front of them. And man, I feel like, does that not grade against Eliab a little bit or something? A little bit of jealousy. A little bit. And then we see that actually, yeah, it's not David's heart that's really faulty here. It's Iliab and it's his heart. And so I just really love that parallel that you drew that it's it's David being faithful and here we see that Eliab and the people around him, actually they're calling him out but david's not done anything wrong
0: isn't that amazing and you know this often happens in in the real world in our lives when you do the right thing there will be people who don't like that because they're not doing the right thing when they see your good motives their motives are not good and they will want to persecute you for that because it makes them feel guilty but don't let that dissuade you from following god's path this is chris tomlin and Wilberforce University Choir, "Amazing Grace," my chains are gone.
7: Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found Was blind, but now I see T'was grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears really. How precious did that grace appear? The hour I first believed, my chains are. As
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio.
1: Yes. We would love to hear your questions, guys. Please send us a question. But also, if you ring in and you're the first caller in or the first messenger in today, you will get a gift. What is the gift, Robbie?
0: It is a book called... I forget the title. It's just not in front of me now. If You Can Eat... You Can Make Disciples.
1: Wonderful. So you want that book. So call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or text us on 0491-064-669.
0: Awesome. So David's in the middle of this heated debate where he's trying to find out what's going on and his brother calls him out. And I love this. I love David's response. (laughs) He just just keeps going. (laughs) He's like... I love it. He's not dissuaded. Yeah,
1: I think that was that was uh, something I was going to draw out later, but we, could, we may as well draw it out now, is that he's not yet dissuaded by what people's naysaying against him, basically. He's like, I'm on a mission. He doesn't stop to spend time arguing. He just turns and says, man, what's up with you? And then he turns and continues on with what he wants to do. He's not drawn into a brotherly argument, so to speak. And I think that's a really good lesson for us.
0: Awesome. I love it. All right. So we've still got like half the chapter left and 10 minutes left in our Bible study. So we're going to keep going because this is where the story starts to get very, very interesting. Let's read from verse 34 through
1: 39. But David said to Saul... Oh, sorry. No, no. no, 33
0: through 39. (laughs) I was
1: going to say, we're not quite there. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off.
0: I love this. So this interaction goes on. Saul hears about this this young guy who's not a part of the army, who's come in and who's asking, hey, what's the deal? Who's going to fight the Philistine? What's the guy going to get who's doing this? And so he calls because rumors gone around the camp real fast, as you might imagine when everybody's terrified. Mm-hmm. And he says, bring me this young man. And a conversation ensues. And when he sees David, he realizes you're young and you don't have experience as a soldier. And he goes, you, you can't do this. You're just, you're just a youth, and this dude's been a soldier since he was a youth. Yeah. In other words, you don't have the experience or the qualifications to do this deed. And I love David's answer. He yeah. says, look, let me tell you something. With all due respect, King, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear to save a lamb of my father's sheep. And he says, it was the Lord who delivered me in those circumstances, and he will do the same thing for this Philistine who is speaking against God.
1: Yeah. And I love that. It's so cool. Again, an application point from this is, man, like we thought we... We don't really know. David goes back. He's anointed. We don't know how long exactly he has passed, but he's been anointed. He's now looking back after the sheep again, but he was faithful in that time. And I, it just makes me sort of think, man, what is God preparing us for in these situations in our times in our life? Where well, yeah, maybe God has called us to something or we feel like we should be doing something more or better. But in being faithful where we are now, God is training us in that period for what we need in the future. And actually exactly what David needed was happening with him in the sheep just then and other people didn't know they thought he was just keeping the sheep but actually God knew and it was a training ground for him it's so cool
0: it's so amazing God uses the unlikely circumstances of our life and when we're faithful in the unlikely circumstances he's preparing us to be able to stay faithful in greater responsibilities that have yet to be given yeah so profound
1: and so convicting as well
0: definitely to
1: be faithful
0: to be faithful with where we are now Mm -hmm. and then He gives him his armor. He's like, all right, you're going to go out. Let me give you the best armor in the whole nation because it's mine. I'm the king. You take this. Put it on you. It will protect you. And he puts it on and he says, goes for a walk around, goes for a little test drive of the armor. And he says, dude, I can't even walk. He says, no, no, no. I'm not used to this. I can't fight my battle in your armor.
1: Yeah, so good.
0: and there's so much beauty in this mm-hmm. because there are times where God calls us to do something, but he's not calling us to do it in someone else's skin, yeah. in someone else's method or, or way to do this because God has worked with us. Mm. And you know, one of the most profound things that you can ever do for Jesus is is to actually go out and do what he's calling you to do in your own skin.
1: That's so good. I if you're going that. to preach
0: a sermon, preach it from your own perspective, from your own state. Mm-hmm. That's going to be way more convicting than trying to pretend to be like some famous speaker. And when you want to go and you want to share Jesus with somebody through some other means, through a Bible study, through whatever else, whatever God's telling you to do, don't don't pretend to be someone else. Yeah. You've got a story that God's given to you.
1: And not even also just pretending on that. I love that, Robbie. But also you don't have to be worried about being someone else or be mm. thinking about that. You don't you you just have to be you because God is calling you. He hasn't put someone else in this position. You're the one in that position. So he's given you the ability to do it.
0: I love that. All right, so let's keep reading. What does he get re- how does he get ready for the battle? Let's mm-hmm. keep going.
1: So then he took his staff in his hand. And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand. He drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that ye come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom ye have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands.
0: Oh man, such inspiring words. You should just like reread that tonight. Get a Bible, find it somewhere. If you don't have one, get it online. Just, Just read that over and over. It's such a powerful thing. I love this. He doesn't go out with a sword at all. He comes out with the very things that he carried with him as a shepherd, Mm -hmm. and God does through him, we're going to find out in a moment, what needed to be done with those very instruments. And the the Philistine comes out, and he's cursing God. He's having this this berating conversation, and David says, the Lord will deliver me. The Lord will do this, and I I will be able to do these things because... It's by God's name, God's character. It's by God's strength and power that this this thing will be done. And it will be known in all Israel that it was the Lord who delivered us. He doesn't take glory for himself. There's no pride involved in this. Mm -hmm. He's doing what God has called him to do, and he's giving God all the glory. Amen. Let's keep reading.
1: So it was when the Philistine arose and and came near to meet David, and David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled.
0: Awesome. Man, this is full on. It's a bit gruesome. Sometimes people talk about this like this is a kid's story. It's not really like the best kid-friendly story. It's full on. Yeah. And so David goes and he takes these stones. These were not small stones. They were big, flat river stones. And he puts them in a sling, not a slingshot, but these things were like a meter or two meters long. And he puts the stone and he starts to swing and he swings it around his head, and as it starts to pick up speed, this heavy stone is going at a rapid speed, and he releases it, and so amazing, the, the giant doesn't even get in swinging distance of David, and the stone strikes him, sinks into his forehead, and he is gone. The enemy has been defeated without ever even coming into contact with David. This is Colin Buchanan, Grow Like a Tree.
8: Grow like a cabram or a snow gum, steady and strong in the Lord. Facing those cold winds of hardship, with roots that go deep in God's word. Grow like the Darling River Red Gum Standing through flood and through drought Solid in God's timeless promise Growing year in and year out Blessed is He who grows like a tree Planted by streams and fruit Season, blessed is he who grows like a tree and delights in the lore of the Lord So grow like a rock Hampton mango, enduring in love and in truth, casting cool shades of kindness and bearing God's Blessed is he who grows like a tree, planted by streams and fruitful in season. Blessed is he who grows like a tree, and delights in the lore of the Lord. love for you. Blessed is he who grows like a tree, who's planted by streams and fruitful in season. Blessed is he who grows like a tree, delights in the Lord of the Lord. Season, Bless is she who grows like a tree and delights in the lore of the Lord.
0: Yeah. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck, and you know what time it is. Question of the Week. Awesome, so Liam, what questions have we got coming in for us today? Yeah, we've got a couple of great questions. Our first
5: one this afternoon comes in from Margie, and it is, how old was David when he became
0: king? Awesome, and congratulations, Margie, if that was the first question. It sounds like you got yourself a free book there, Indeed. so hope that you enjoy that. Thank you so much for your question. Um, so... the. There's not a precise, specific answer to this question, depending on what it is that you mean. So David was anointed as king when he was a boy. Now, we don't have a specific age that was given. What we do know is that he was younger than all of his other brothers, that only three of his brothers, when we get into the story from today, are old enough to be in the army. So this means that five of the siblings, were under the age of military age. So we don't know exactly how old he was when he was anointed king, but the fact that that he has not joined the army and he's coming to visit his three eldest brothers who are old enough to be in the army in this chapter tells us that he was under the age of 20 for certain. We know this because in Numbers chapter one, verse two and three, it tells us, take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of their names, Every male individually from 20 years old and above all who are able to go to war in Israel and so we know from that that you weren't able to go to war unless you were the age of 20 as a Mm -hmm. male so even in the story now with David and Goliath he is under the age of 20 so we don't know the exact age but it's likely that he was between the age of 10 and 19 and obviously there was some time between where he was coming in to and fro from Saul so it's most scholars suggest that in the battle here with David and Goliath, he was between age 16 and 19, and probably under the age of 16 when he was anointed. Um, we do know that when David actually be- physically became king and took office, he was 30 years of age, and you can find that in Second Samuel 5, verse 4.
1: That's cool. I actually, in my mind, I was like 30, and I didn't know that I knew that. Excellent.
0: That's cool. All right. We have another question. We do Thank indeed. you very much, Margie. That, uh, our next
5: question comes in from Simon, and it is, How is it possible to keep the Sabbath day and obey it by ceasing from work and worshipping God when many Christians are required to work on any given day, e.g. emergency workers, surgeons, GPs, firefighters, mm. etc.?
0: Awesome. Now, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of that, the first thing I would say is that the general principle that we discussed in our last episode was in, in response to a similar question was that Sabbath keeping can basically be defined at its base level by saying not what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath is not to work or to cause others to work. So if the, the work that is being required is not a special kind of work, which we're about to talk about, then the answer would be the right thing to do would be to decline that work. But what about when it's work that's about saving lives, Mm -hmm. like some of the things that you've put in here, putting out a fire to save someone's life, Um, Helping someone who's sick, who needs surgery, et cetera. Um, What do we do with those?
1: Or even things that aren't life-saving, but um, life-continuing. Things that need to be like, so looking after people. This one's close to home for me because um, I'm a nurse. And before I studied this degree, I did nursing. And so there are times when I needed to work on Saturday. Um, For myself, in terms of choosing to do that, I know what I would do is I I would elect to not work that day as much as possible because I knew other people who didn't keep Sabbath wouldn't worry about it. But if they if they really need someone to fill it um, a shift or, or or to help someone with something, I would help with that. I just wouldn't put my name down for that. And then also um, funds from that, I didn't really keep the funds from working on that day, so that I knew in my mind. This is just personally for me that I was never doing it for the work for the money.
0: Mm. That's that's really beautiful point. Um, what can we look at in scripture yeah. to answer this question as well? Because it, our, our our personal our our personal ways of dealing with it are, are excellent things to consider. But what what does Jesus actually say about what's appropriate on the Sabbath regarding these things? Um, so in Matthew chapter twelve, there are some great places. Um, there's a conversation that's happening happening with Jesus, and his disciples are walking through a field and they're picking up little grains of wheat as they're walking and chewing on them, mm-hmm. and so. There are a group of religious leaders who come to him and say, look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. And to make the long story short, he basically responds by saying, have you not heard the story where David had to do some things with the temple, where he got showbread from the tabernacle? He uses that as an example. And then he says this example in verse 5. He says, or have you not read in the law, meaning the Torah, the first five books of Scripture, that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane or desecrate the Sabbath and are considered blameless and are blameless. Yeah. And what's really interesting there is that he then goes on to say, yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. So there were, God did not, require the Levites and the priests to discontinue the temple service. In fact, that was considered to be something that must go on every day. So the daily sacrifice still took place on the Sabbath. Yeah. So people who were in these ministerial roles were still to do those tasks that were necessary. And the reason was that the temple was something that was greater because the sanctuary, uh, sorry sanctuary service, the sacrificial service, was necessary for the intercession of people and for salvation so this was taking higher priority than our normal understanding of the sabbath mm-hmm. but then he goes on and he talks about dealing with good did you want to address that or would you like yeah to he talks that?
1: about dealing with good and also healing on the sabbath so this mm. brings in a lot of the the medical type things in mark chapter 3 we have a look and the pharisees have tried to set up or a group of religious leaders have tried to set up jesus and bring to him a withered man um, A man with a withered hand. (laughs) A man with a withered hand, and so what they do, they said that it's that they might accuse him, but he says, Mark chapter three verse three. He said to the man he had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to to kill? They kept silent and he looks in anger because they uh, they so don't want him to do this thing. And he says to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. So Jesus heals on the Sabbath and he says that it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath.
0: Isn't that beautiful? And what's really interesting, just theologically there, is that they then go away and begin to plot his death on the Sabbath, Yeah, which is the biggest irony in the world. It's not okay, they say, to save life, but it's okay to plot to kill it. Mhm. Now... There was a thought that came to my mind, and I uh, just totally forgot what it was. Um, think brain, think.
1: So, other than that, yeah, Robbie, what is your consensus on emergency workers and and people working? Oh, I just thought of what it was. Things? That was
0: a great point. Um, my yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with with Beck's advice, and I think Scripture is clear. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Um, ideally, we shouldn't make that uh, our, our our desired goal to do that every week if we don't have to. Um, but what's really interesting is that the Pharisees actually had a rule. So one thing, th- this is rabbinical law, and this is something that Jesus was totally against because it's not scriptural, but it was the traditions of the rabbis. And one of the things was vinegar would be used to soothe a toothache, to cure a toothache. And they said, you cannot drink this stuff on salad. You can't suck on vinegar to heal your toothache. You can't be healed but if you happen to be eating it and it heals your toothache, no problem. And so there was a lot of, of confounded reasoning in their logic and it was unscriptural. This is Lauren Daigle, You Say. Thank you so much for your question, Simon.
3: Any who I find
0: back to real faith with robbie and beck you're listening to faith fm and uh just wanted to shout out thank you to margie and to simon for calling in with your questions we hope and pray that those were helpful yeah thanks and, guys um, yeah just encourage anybody else no doesn't matter how big or small the question is if, if you think it's too hard or you think it's too simple or small it doesn't matter we we would love to address those so think keep mm-hmm. that in mind for next week and uh let's come to our application section what can we learn from this story of david and goliath
1: yeah, And apply
0: I, in our own Christian walk.
1: I think some of the things we've, sort of, we've touched on, but just to reiterate them, and is that even when you're doing for me, even when you're doing the right thing, uh, you can be dissuaded, you can be judged by people, mm. but also people can question your motives. And so if God's called you to something, if you've been instructed by people, or um, maybe even for me, I knew during school I would be trying to do the right thing, trying to help people, and other kids would laugh, or be like, why are you doing that? And I think don't be dissuaded from what you know is right. Just because of other people
0: and I love on that same subject David's response is not uh, all of a sudden change to oh well now I need to make sure I defend and everybody fully understands my motives there I mean there are there are times where we can explain ourselves yeah but don't let the naysaying when you know you're called by God to do something and you've got biblical reason to believe so and and it makes sense it's right that you you don't waste your time on just trying to convince a bunch of people who don't really care
1: exactly don't get sidelined I'm um, looking at the things because I think that's what the devil really wants us to get involved in is, that's you right know, lose focusing us up in things exactly. that's right
0: so rather than losing focus do what David did yeah and he goes okay answered the question moving right along and mm-hmm. back to what the task was because I'm here on a mission
1: yeah absolutely having
0: that focus is beautiful what else do we got
1: yeah, something else is Do we that, have?
0: That was really bad English <laughs> kids. Don't do that on your HSC tests.
1: <laughs> something else that we have is the fear factor and and being afraid and being discouraged by what other people are saying. So not only was his brother saying don't this don't do this, but Saul looked at him and he says, Oh man, you can't do this. You've not got what it takes. And David is like, Mm thanks for your opinion, but God's is more important. He's like, I can do this. God's given this ability. And he's not dissuaded by other people's fear or them putting thoughts in his mind. And I love that.
0: Mm. You know, something else that strikes me in this story is that we don't have any evidence in the text that God specifically told David to do this. So what what would lead David to think that he needed to step up And actually do this. One of the things that strikes me is that God had anointed him as king. Yeah. And the spirit of God had come upon him. So he was connected with Jesus in a powerful way. Mm -hmm. And maybe God gave him an inclination that he should be doing this. Maybe it was simply the fact that he looked and there was no one else willing to do this. Yeah. I imagine that in the questioning it came up that for 40 days this has been happening. And he says, well, I'm willing to put myself on the line for the sake of God's reputation. God's anointed me to be the king. I will step up into the the responsibility that a king should take because really it was Saul's responsibility as the current king to do that. But David demonstrates his heart and and God's correct calling for him and that he's willing to take the responsibilities of the king even now when it's not technically his responsibility yet. And I love this because there are times where we may need, we may be called to do the right thing, not because we had a voice from the sky tell Mm -hmm. us, but because no one else is stepping up to the challenge and we know the right thing to do and we just need to step up and do it.
1: Yeah, I think it's beautiful because we have these times where we see um, David in as we go throughout the rest of his life, we'll see times when he doesn't know what to do or he's unsure and so he says he seeks the Lord. He set his heart to seek the Lord and he's asking for advice From God, but there's situations as well we see in our life where not we don't need to ask, but because you've already spent time or because you have that relationship, you know what God is asking of you. And there are times when it's you know when someone's being bullied or something, you don't have to stop and be like, Lord, should I step up to these bullies? That's right. You it's just the right thing to it's, do. It's the right thing. And you don't risk. have to stop and ask. You you do it because you know those things. And I think that's the thing with David is he gets in and he gets dirty and he takes initiative, which is awesome.
0: I love that. Something else that really strikes me in the story is—is is, and we talked about this before, but the fact that David says, "Look, I—I haven't trained in your armor. I can't go out in your armor yeah. and with your weapons." He says, "I got to go the way that God's trained me up to this point." Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting to note and to think about, and most people don't talk about this, but I just realized this. Later on, we never see David again fighting with a staff and a sling.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He becomes a trained man of war,
3: yeah,
0: and he fights with a sword That's cool. and a shield, yeah. This does not mean that we never continue to learn or to grow. It doesn't mean oh, that the way so that I do it when I'm first converted is the only way that God will ever lead me to do something. Absolutely, We learn, we grow, but we, we work with what God has developed us to do so far and we work from that basis. Yeah. And as we have opportunity, still seek to learn and grow. Don't mm-hmm. think that... There, there's no opportunity for growth there yeah, is
1: that's so good I love that and I think that leads to my last application point which is using your life and your position and, and what you hold now as a training ground for where you're going so if, it, if it's training it means you continue to learn and you can continue to grow but wherever you are wherever I am placed and it's conviction for me wherever we are may we be faithful in the things that we are doing now because we don't know where that's going to lead and where God is going to lead us in the future
0: oh, I love that I love that and it's you know, you don't have to go out and look to be a martyr. You don't have to go out and look for giant challenges to, yeah. to create difficulty in your life.
1: Pun intended.
0: Yeah, that's right. Giant, giant. That was well done. Very well done. <laughs> but when those opportunities come before you where the opportunity to, to take courage, to trust in God and to step out in faith and to do the thing that, that needs to be done is presented before you, it's then that we respond. You know, God, God's not saying you need to go out and search to become a martyr, to die for your faith. You don't, you don't need to look for that. Just, just try to be faithful to God in the circumstances that you're in and to develop your opportunities to, to walk with him, to know him, to continue to grow with him, and then just address the circumstances that come. And if you're faithful in the little things, God will give you more things to be faithful in. Amen. It's a journey and trust him in that. So we thank you guys for joining in. We pray that you have a blessed week. We'll catch you next time. And remember that real faith is is lived lived faith. faith.